The Athletic. It's the Totally Football Show European Edition. Today, Napoli fans on Vesuvius working themselves into a lava. Liga, when the going gets tough, who did Getafe get? France, to lose, managed to win in Paris, and Paris managed to lose. And Germany, Dortmund's unspotted spot kick, and why at least three Dusseldorf games will be 4-0 next season. It's the Totally Football Show. Tuesday, 2nd of May. Listener, thank you for being with us on whatever day you've picked to enjoy the talents of Julian Laurent, Alvaro Romeo, Raphael Honigstein, and James Horncastle. All their Euro expertise. Woof. Have you been? I've been away a bit, haven't I, Alvaro? Yeah, we haven't yeah. really missed you. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we, you. we have, we have missed you. It's not no, no, because Matt did a fantastic he job. Did really he did work. I enjoyed those shows. Did you? A lot. Did you really yeah. listen to I them? Did. No, you did. I did. I <laughs> Always Raph's moment of I the heard... week. Always Raph moment of the week. Not week. even Raph knows what his moment of the week was. It was. James always listens to himself back. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. True. It's very important. Mark of a true pro. It That's is a mark. Yeah, yeah. Fast forward test. Uh, well, how were hey, the strong men? Were they actually? Good? You know what, Jules? They were strong. It was an yeah? extraordinary competition, and. Um, you know, if you want to know the results, they're out there. I, I wouldn't take it upon myself to spoil it for anyone who's going to be watching it. But you know Christmas. that, really. It's like it's like if you go into a t- TV it's reality show, you can't. Yeah, you can't reveal now who's the winner. No, I'm not going to reveal now. Like no, anyone no, no. who's been sacked yeah. by but Chelsea or Spurs, they can't talk about it. <laughs> or Leeds. Right, right, yeah. yeah. And it, it was great. I mean, um, I, I look forward to sharing it with everyone yeah, at Christmas. Uh, super. But let's return to this week. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I've got to say, we're doing this without headphones, and it feels funny. <laughs> it doesn't feel like a podcast. It doesn't. No. no. It feels it just like a chat. Exactly, yeah. between right. friends. And I'm uncomfortable with that. Let's get some, <laughs> so let's get some protection. moments of the week. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Oh, no. oh, I uh, knew that was coming. So, well, Rafa, let's have your well, James. moment of the week. James, <laughs> check phone. This is an easy one this week. Bochum, okay. Okay. Friday night, 65th minute. Cross is coming in from Julian Brandt. Mm. Karim Adeyemi is trying to get there. Danilo Soares is trying to get there. None of them get there. It's a pen. Oh, no, it's not. Referee has seen nothing at all. Neither have VR. Huge controversy in Germany because Dortmund only go on to draw 1-1, which then opens the door for Bayern to take back the lead on Sunday, which they do. And this leads to all sorts of really unseemly things, death threats to the referee, um, Watzke had to release Hans-Joachim Watzke the Dortmund CEO had to release a statement saying please you know refrain from this kind of abuse uh, big discussion German FA coming out explaining why the decision was wrong he came out explaining why the decision was wrong the referee the referee mm. uh, talking about sleepless nights and of course sleepless nights might ultimately be what happens to Dortmund because if they don't go on to win the league then this could be one of those crucial moments indeed one point behind Bayern now with four games to go. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll touch on that again, but it was a, an egregious error, though. Uh, the Emmy went absolutely flying after he got clattered there. Uh, but anyway, more on that to come. Alvaro, your moment of the weekend. It has to be this time. I mean, there, there have been many, but uh, since we're going to talk about many of them in depth, I think that Girona just beating Sevilla is one of those because not only they inflicted Mendilibar his first uh, defeat as Sevilla manager, but also it's the way Girona is doing it. Uh, last week, they beat Real Madrid uh, scoring four goals. Tati Castellanos scored what we say, poker of goals. And then they went to Sevilla and they got another win. And this is a side that is still ready or in the position to be able to qualify for Europe for the next season, considering that they just got promoted uh, 12 months ago. It's very impressive. And just the way they are doing it in... Uh, a competition like La Liga with plenty of tactical teams, uh, sometimes a little bit cynical when it comes to attacking and all that, is very refreshing to see a side like Girona that has scored already 50 goals and they are attacking so much in every pitch, I mean, and in every ground in uh, La Liga. They drew with Barcelona not long ago, so congratulations to them. They've got 44 points, 50 goals scored, and they are not far from conference league position. So congratulations to them and to Mitchell, especially the manager. Mm. Eight spot. Fashion what week. Fashion week. No, the other Mitchell. 
Oh, no. the other, yeah. There's another one. Yeah, Mitchell, that Mitchell was the uh, coach twins? of Olympiacos yeah. uh, until two months ago, but this Mitchell has been in Girona for two years now. Oh, okay. Ah, yeah, so it's okay. another Mitchell. Right. It's, it's quite a common name anyway. The Mitchell brothers. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> they are eighth and they are... Have, what, what would they need to get into the conference, Lee? Uh, they will need to be seventh unless so. Osasuna wins the Spanish Cup. So there are only three points of yeah. conference. Wow. Jules. So many listeners have asked for this moment of the week, which is the Kylian Mbappé goal, uh, of course, on Sunday against really? Lorient. Really? How many listeners wrote in to us for that? Yeah, loads. I had loads of messages saying, really? surely that's the moment of the week. They must have been watching. I don't know why they were watching this terrible PSG team, because they're, they're really not good. Crazy moment, really, because even Mvogo, the Lorient goalkeeper, has the ball in his hands mm. after a PSG attack. He thinks that the referee has given a free kick for Lorient, like the whole Lorient defence, to be fair. So he put the ball on the floor to take the free kick, except that the referee said that he didn't give anything. So Mbappé just takes the ball and and scores in an empty net just there uh, in front of him. It's a ridiculous goal to concede and to score, to be fair, considering all the goals that Mbappé has scored in his career. It's even worse to know that that's the only goal PSG scored. <laughs> and it was gifted clearly by, by Lorient and by their goalkeeper, who still went on to win the game and was so good and so much better than this dreadful PSG team. Mm. Yeah, more on that to come. James, Serie A. The former electrician who turned the power off Napoli's title <laughs> celebrations, Bouladia, mm. which Paris born and bred, Paris born and bred, La Mano de Dia. Well, that was that was the meme afterwards. He stripped them of their lead. <laughs> he did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, a lot of people referencing uh, Estata La Mano de Dia uh, was the hand of God. Instead, it was the the hand of Dia that mm. uh, that stopped. Napoli celebrating their first title in 33 years. Strange atmosphere because people are like, ah, oh, disappointed. Are they bottling it? Well, I mean, they could have won the league with six games to spare, which has never happened before. So I'm, I'm sure they can wait. And I like Spalletti's way of explaining it afterwards. He's saying it just means we get to prolong the enjoyment that little mm. bit longer. Mm. So, that's the best bit you feel delayed gratification <laughs> delayed gratification <laughs> yeah the, the tantric title celebrations but um, Salernitana on their way home because uh, obviously this was a Campania derby um, they were welcomed as if they had won the league um, and yeah Paolo Sosa doing a great job there they've only lost one the 10 games that he's mm. been in his charge his first one and nine unbeaten since yeah they've taken points off Milan and Inter at San Siro they've obviously got a point at the the Maradona as well so uh, yeah this time last year we were talking about Salernitana having to pull off the great escape this time no great escape is necessary because mm. of the job that Sosa's done so there you have it Napoli meanwhile one win in five can they creep over the line we shall see <laughs> Thursday night they're away in Udine. In Udine. Udine. The Slovenian mm. border as far away as Naples as you can possibly get in Syria in the cold is that the further trip yeah wow yeah Although, yeah, there, there is... Salernitana uh, at Udinese would be technically further. But for Napoli... For Napoli, yeah. yes. For Napoli. Yeah. yeah. Right, OK. Wow. After all of that, let's get started with the Bundesliga. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network and sponsored by LiveScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Auf Brand in den Strafraum. Brand auf Adeyemi. Der fällt. Das muss Elfmeter geben. Es geht offenbar weiter mit Abstoß. Also es ist eine Berührung da vom Abwehrspieler. Unten am Bein von Adeyemi. Well, there it is, Rafa. The controversial moment when referee Sascha Stegemann failed to spot a blatant foul on Adeyemi and then failed to go over and... Well, he wasn't invited by the VAR officials to go and review the decision, sparking enormous controversy as the lead switches again in the Bundesliga. That's, what, five of the last six match days, the team that started on top of the table dropped points. And we, we have this flip-flopping back and forth. You've you spoken a little bit about this 1-1 uh, with uh, Borkham, which is terrific for Bor Borkham, of course. What about Bayern? How did they respond? They got a win, uh, the first win after four games at home to Hertha. It was a laboured performance. 
Um, you might be generous and call it very controlled because they had, I think, 80% of the ball. Hertha didn't really have a shot. Bayern played and played and played and played and played until 20 minutes from time they found the breakthrough. Some really nice work from Joshua Kimmich, lovely little dink ball over the top, which he specialises in for Serge Gnabry to head in. And then a very similar goal uh, for Kingsley Coman to make it two. Uh, another nice assist from Kimmich. So they kind of, they stopped the bleed, as it were, but it still wasn't anywhere near the kind of Bayern that we we expected, we, we thought we would see. The season, especially with Thomas Tuchel coming in, Tuchel again spoke about the, the lack of confidence in the team and it felt almost as if he'd given them the more simple instructions, you know, just go wide, try to find somebody in the box because that's, that's basically all they did. And it wasn't very nice to see, nice to watch because Hertha had like nine men behind the ball, but they got it done. And now I think that might be the start of a bit of normalcy and normal service resuming with Bayern really? finding the confidence to then go on. But you, you don't know because, as you said, uh, teams at the top have, have really suffered in, in recent weeks. And Tuchel has been there eight games. That's only his third win. So one point, four matches to go, Rafa. Who does the calendar favour? Well, Bayern. Bayern. I think they have a slightly easier uh, fixture list. Mm. Dortmund have Wolfsburg and Mainz still to play. Uh, two informed teams. Uh, Bayern have Leipzig. That's going to be the hardest. But the other games you'd expect them to win. Although Schalke was going to be... It's going to be a pretty decent opposition with their resurgent uh, form at the moment. So, yeah, Bayern, Bayern are favourites anyway um, before a ball is kicked. Now that they're top of four games to go, I think it would be seen as a, a pretty dramatic collapse, uh, having been allowed back in by Dortmund if they were to throw it away now. Tuchel did our friend Archie Rinter well dirty mm. after the game as well, man. It was quite funny, though. It was really fun, but, you know, like, he's still, he's still off air saying, like, oh, I love your jacket. I've got the same one on air. No, no, I don't have anything like that. I would never say that. <laughs> it was oh, quite, actually. He, he should have asked Julian Nagelsmann. He might have something. Yeah. 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 Nagelsmann would have, you know, I think would have admitted, yeah, yeah, this is what the kind of sh I wear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to, to was it, like, nah. I, I take my hat off to her. It's a great icebreaker. Like, it was he, amazing. He has, he has a wardrobe of loud bomber jackets. He always and wears it, them it as well. Do you know anyone else who does that? <laughs> <laughs> and it means they get, he get yeah, they talk hey, to him. He's brilliant. What a legend. Yeah. Archie's a legend. Archie is a legend. Now, uh, Schalke, you mentioned who are coming up for Bayern. They're currently in the bottom two, desperately battling uh, for survival. They're only a point from safety. Borkham just ahead of them, who are level on goal difference with Stuttgart. Lots of those teams, well, Stuttgart certainly are involved in the Pokal semi-finals midweek, Rafa. They're taking on Eintracht Frankfurt. The other game, pretty interesting, on Tuesday, well, Tuesday evening, Freiburg against Leipzig, who are also locked in a battle for top four spaces. And we'll play each other on Saturday. Oof. And, of course, play each other in the cup final. Right. So a bit of a history brewing. You couldn't have more extreme versions of, of clubs at opposite poles in the Bundesliga. Freiburg, run by the members, very small city, Streich has been there forever. They're punching way above their weight yet again. They might make the Champions League for the first time ever. They might make it to the Champ to the German Cup final for a second time. Incredible. And Leipzig, uh, you know, much hated for a business model that is unlike any others, a corporation setting up a club, pumping money in, the opposite of being a traditional side. And it's it's a mystery it's a miracle, I would say, that Freiburg actually seen as if not favourites, but at least equals going into this game because they have the, the semi-final. Form. Yeah, they have yeah. the form, they have the the consistency and, and Leipzig are, especially away from home, a little bit hot and cold. Although Christoph Nkunku coming back and scoring in their 1-0 win at the weekend, I think will will give them a huge lift because they're a different side when he's around and playing well. He's, he's such a fantastic player. Rivals in the cup, rivals as well. In the race for Champions League spots, Freiburg currently occupying fourth spot level with Union Berlin. Leipzig in fifth, two points behind. Leverkusen, who were on that charge Champions League place, they kind of, well, they drew a blank with Union this weekend, and that leaves, I think that's kind of settled that issue. Yeah, they still have a chance, of course, to get into the Champions League via the Europa League, mm. where they'll take on 
Roma. Shows us Roma and me and James are going to Rome. Yeah. For nice. that game. But, but not in the restaurant that James... Uh, no. You know, Why? What happened? It does a disaster. Well, Raph wasn't prepared for bad <laughs> Roman service, which is... Did you go? You've been, already been to this? Yeah, I re- I made a recommendation so when never Raph, ask Horny again. It Raph was in October went. last year. Right, he went with uh, Mrs H. Oh yeah, nice. And uh, got a disappointing experience. <laughs> right at the restaurant I recommended. Okay, yeah. it, was, after five minutes. it was so disappointing. We didn't stay around for dinner. Oh, yeah, so oh, they, nice. they can't they can't actually judge the food, <laughs> which. They didn't give you bread or something. Let's, let's name. I know that any Rome-bound name listeners will shame. be keen to know. Yeah. Flavio Villavevodetto. Oh, Flavio Villavevodetto. Yeah. And the funny thing was, you had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So where are you going to go this time? Oh, I don't know. I'm not listening to James again. No, uh, no way. No, I, I have to. James took to a lovely in Milan great, the other day. We went to I a lovely pizza. there's a really good yeah. McDonald's in town. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh wow. So, uh, well, yeah, James is very positive about Roma's chances in that game, despite Bayer's excellent form under Javier uh, Alonso, detailed in this podcast and others in recent no, it should be a weeks. fantastic game. Mm. Before we leave the Bundesliga the or the world of German football, <laughs> <laughs> before we leave the world of German football, Rafa, tell us about the extraordinary initiative taken by Fortuna Dusseldorf in Bundesliga Zwei for next season. Yeah, they've come up with this idea that some games will be free of charge, completely free of charge, apart from the VIP mm. tickets. They are still paying, but even the away fans... Um, they'll be let in for free. Next season, it'll be three games to start with. The money that they lose is covered by sponsors. And they've also come up with a, a pretty ingenious way of, of redistributing that money. They said this is not just about getting people in for free. This is also about having different revenue streams and then using that money to and not just support the first team, which you would usually do, but 50% of that will go back into youth football, women's football, initiatives within the city and also making the stadium more Fortuna-like because mm. it is owned by the city and is multi-purpose and is a bit s- sterile and a bit neutral and they want to make it more of a Fortuna atmosphere. And the eventual plan is to make every single home game available uh, in two or three years' time for free, covered by sponsors. The um, reaction of the fans has been a little bit muted, I, I thought. Some... A certain amount of suspicion about what, what do you mean free tickets? What what are you, are you going to harvest our data or? <laughs> yeah, I mean the actual fans, uh, the organised fans have not really made a statement yet. They're cautiously welcome. They they like the idea, but want to see more of the detail. Can the ultras all be together? Ah. Are they guaranteed? Um, the kind of uh, privileges that they have enjoyed, uh, just by virtue of always being there and always paying. Uh, but the club have said they will do that. Um, what you're referring to was a, a column in El Freunde where somebody was saying, well, if clubs provide this for free, then maybe it makes it easier for them to be even more dismissive towards the needs of fans. Mm. If the fans are not uh, an important source of revenue, maybe then they will just disregard them even more and, and treat them badly. But this is a theoretical problem at this point. We'll have to see how it, how it plays out. But what it does, I think, is to put a bit of pressure on, on other clubs to see if either they can do something similar or maybe cut prices, or if not that, at least make sure that the needs of the fans are really being listened to and taken seriously. Right. How much is your... I'm just thinking about the Premier League, for example, the richest league in the world with probably the most expensive tickets as well. How much would a ticket be to Fortuna Dusseldorf? It'd be like 30 euros, 40 euros. Uh-huh. Not super cheap unless you're a season ticket holder, but... The average gate receipt for for a game at the moment with the kind of uh, attendances that they get is about 400 to 450,000 euros uh, and they get about 30,000 people. So you can you can work out how much every fan kind of gets them. Uh, but it, that, of course, includes the VIP, VIP fans. In, in total, it only adds up to about 8 million euros a season mm. that they make from the stadium. So it's not huge no. money if you've divided by 17. But it is still about 15 to 20% of their total income because income in the second Bundesliga isn't very high. I think they only make about 40 million euros, which is a joke by Premier League standards. So if Premier League clubs wanted to do it, they probably could because the relevance of gate receipts keeps going down mm. in the overall mix of income. But of course, 
they make a lot of money. So, and also like why in would they? looking to sponsors to kind of pick up the tab, does that mean they'll be going into like crypto betting or maybe yeah. for tuna? Like you could have, I don't know, sustainable fishing for tuna. You know. <laughs> wow. I knew, I knew something was coming that was not going to be good. Incredible. Somehow I knew it. Wow. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's funny you mentioned the, uh, the whole sponsorship thing because just to kind of go off on a little bit of a tangent, this weekend saw two top city oh, yeah, playing without sponsors yeah, because the bits. digital bits, it sounded totally legit to me. <laughs> yeah. had to be, that had to be some fly-by-night operation that skipped skipped out without coughing up the 24 million uh, euros that they were due to pay into. I don't know what Roma's... Yeah, I think it's a similar agreement with Roma because they've been Roma's front-of-shirt sponsor for longer. Mm. I think they also had kiosks uh, at the Stadio Olimpico where you could... I think Digital Bits was a blockchain. Um, But, yeah, not good, particularly as... Syria four or five years ago, decided to, uh, well, it had to follow the law implemented by the government that they could not publicize betting companies. Mm. And so they made up the shortfall in betting money by basically going all in on crypto. So if you watch Syria, it's just, it's crypto everywhere. It's the, the score for Syria is brought to you by crypto.com. <laughs> and lo and behold, the crypto winter has hit Inter and Roma. <laughs> because, but, yeah. I mean, inventive as they are, they keep coming up with new revenue streams. Uh, mm. we, we, we had this weekend, uh, any uh, goals scored, the match ball was immediately placed in a special black sack yeah. for socios.com collectibles. Yeah. Um, Not a fan of that. Mm. Also because the what could have been the Scudetto clinching goal mm. for Napoli, mm-hmm. scored by Matthias Oliveira, was immediately kind of, as you say, Poor boy, gives it to someone else, it's put in a sack, and presumably for someone who's paying to be on that platform, they get it. What happens if you, you know, score a hat trick and you're supposed to keep the ball? Oh, well, that's an interesting question, Joe. So you like, have to pony up for it. But I've not seen a league. I don't know. Yeah. But I've not seen a league engage in this way that we as television viewers have to watch a ball it's every time a match ball goes out of play particularly at the end of a game that it is then scooped oh is it every time it goes I thought it was just when a goal was scored Um, well I don't know exactly I mean I've seen it in recent games where it feels like the last kick of the game Ah, all of a sudden the ball is taken and you get the match ball right but yeah I'm Congratulations, you win the ball from that throw-in in the 13th minute. <laughs> again, it's something that Serie A is very proud of uh, mm. without perhaps being aware enough but, of you what it looks back, like. So do you have any notion of the prices they are paying for that? Uh, no, gone. I don't because I don't use those kind of platforms. We probably need to be... Uh, I'm going to look it up, Alvaro. While we're doing that... five chilies. Yeah, it is. Read Joey Durso's great investigative reporting mm-hmm. on socios and you'll find out more oh, yeah, yeah, about yeah. why that's quite an awkward relationship. I think. Mm. is not great. No. All right, well, let's move on then. Uh, speaking of City at, let's touch on events there next. This is the Totally Football Show, sponsored by LiveScore Bet. With Bet Builder from LiveScore Bet, you can combine markets from thousands of options to create your own bet on the biggest football fixtures in the Premier League, the Champions League, the EFL, and around the world. So if you think you can successfully pick the first goal scorer, the final score, the total number of corners and whether there'll be a red card, then use BetBuilder from LiveScoreBet to make up to six selections and get a single bet with the combined odds. Or if you can't make up your mind, you can choose from the pre-built quick bet options. BetBuilder from LiveScoreBet. Building a bet just got easier. Find out more at LiveScoreBet.com or by downloading the LiveScoreBet app on Android and iPhone. It's over 18s only. Full account terms apply. And of course, please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. City everyone. As you say, James and Napoli were nearly champions uh, this weekend. They needed Lazio, who were in second place, to not win. 
Lazio took the lead in the early game Sunday away to Inter, but ended up losing 3-1. Terrific performance from Inter there with Romelu Lukaku popping up with a couple of fine assists. So all, all was set then for Napoli to uh, sweep past Salernitana and take the take the title. Only Paolo Sosa's Salernitana got in the way. Yeah, and as I've mentioned, they've been playing really well over the last six weeks. A lot of people thought Salernitana would maybe go down when they sacked great escapologist Davide Nicola. Remember, Davide Nicola had already been sacked and then sent a message <laughs> pulling at the heartstrings of chairman Daniele Yervolino and got his job back and need to then be sacked properly um, that time. But, yeah, I mean, it was quite a funny Sunday because Lazio's coach, Maurizio Sarri, obviously has his own backstory with Napoli. He had more or less the same points total as Spalletti's Napoli did at this stage of the season in 2017-18, but came up against one of the kind of all-time great Juventus teams that was still on that nine-year winning run of taking the title. And he said, look, you know, it's almost like they've laid the table for the party, but we're going to ruin the party. And when Lazio went 1-0 up at San Siro against Inter, it's like, oh, okay, yeah. Sarri, is, he really means what he says. And then they completely collapsed and lost 3-1, which means Sarri's probably still a hero in Naples. <laughs> <laughs> but you just feel like the anticipation that there was in Naples all week was a big factor in the players' performance because the prefect of Naples was so disturbed by the celebrations that followed Napoli's win in Turin against Juventus last weekend where in the early hours of the morning the city stayed up and went to Capodacchino airport to welcome the team back. The players were out on the roof of their bus which was being driven through these crowds into, into Naples and the prefect of Naples said basically look we're going to have to move a game which was supposed to be held on Saturday and play it on the Sunday. And I think the players, they didn't find out when the game was going to be played until like Saturday morning. Seriously? I mean, it was, it was very late in mm. the day. And, you know, I mean, okay, you could say they're playing against Salernitana and Napoli are so far in front of everybody else that they're so much better than a team like Salernitana. It'll, it'll be fine. They'll take care of it. But I think also from going from playing before Lazio Inter to playing after, it just raised the kind of expectation levels and pressure levels that little bit more. Do you think? But then they played, they played, they could have won the game. They had enough chances. They had enough chances. Well, Cho was, was amazing. amazing. He was okay. No, Do you no, think no, he, he was, was amazing. amazing. What was a great, tell me a great save by Ocho. The, the Ozzyman powerful header? Yeah. That's the, a big that was, one. He had to do it, right? Well, I don't know. He had to save that. I don't know. Either. But, yeah, he did his job. And yes. he's st he stopped them scoring more than yeah. one goal. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of... Salernitana are kind of fun. You know, they've gone from being this kind of team that Frank Ribery joined as his retirement project and then basically wanted to leave when they were going to be relegated this time last year. Mm. Um, and then they keep finding these just random legends uh, mm. like Ochoa. And it's very Serie A. It's exactly it's what you need from Serie A. Mm, um, Brian. So, <laughs> so yeah. But now Napoli have to go to Udine, which, as we've mentioned, is on the Slovenian border. It's cold, and they're they're trying to make this out to be romantic, you know, mm. because Andrea Carnivale, who was part of uh, the 1987 Scudetto winning team, is a sporting director there. Napoli's sporting director back from the 80s that Maradona team is the sporting director of Udinese at the moment it's where Spalletti made his name as a coach established himself as being one of the most promising coaches of a generation it's where De Laurentiis the Napoli owner got his first win in Serie A as Napoli owner so there were all these things that kind of make it romantic mm. but at the same time they would have much preferred to, to win it, it in Naples mm. yeah they don't have uh, the title in the bag yet unlike any Match balls <laughs> scored this weekend. Tell us, though, about the uh, the Napoli fans uh, on Vesuvius. Oh, yeah. So it wasn't just the local authority, but environmentalists were very worried um, that the Scudetto celebrations were going to uh, spread all the way to the, the, the banks of, of Vesuvius 
and that they were perhaps going to try and provoke an eruption. Right, yeah. By throwing rocks or using fireworks inside yeah. the crater. Of the yeah, to, to, to like... How, a, is that how it works? Uh, I'm not sure. I you mean, can. Uh, there's a video I've seen of somebody throwing a rock into a crater, which, which basically breaks the crust and then everything just starts because of all the pressure underneath if you do manage to make a hole in that boom i mean i don't know it's going to be the next pompeii <laughs> there was but a mini earthquake wasn't it when Oliver earthquake wasn't it like two on the scale of yeah Richter? on the right like, yeah it's kind of mad it? that you would think let's provoke an eruption given like what happened to pompeii yeah <laughs> Yeah, and not a, a great a over Christmas, you know, where you're just like kind of flicking through Netflix as to what to right, watch. Right. Over Christmas, I think one of the number one things on Netflix was this documentary about a tour group who'd gone to a a volcanic island off New Zealand and it erupted whilst they were on it. And Maybe it was that like was a, the one where they threw the rock. <laughs> it might have been. <laughs> right. yeah. It was pretty tragic. Right. And so I, I, I mean. I wouldn't do that. Yep. I wouldn't recommend you do it. No, do that. And that's exactly what the prefect of Naples and the environmentalists said. Yeah. 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 Stop it. And there were some dramatic scenes. I saw those kids. Did you see those kids crying all after the, the draw? Yeah. Almost like if Napoli had lost the title, they would win the title mm. is it? in midweek or next weekend. But those kids were crying like if it was the end of their lives. Yeah. Eating the napkin like in anger and all of that. You think like, come on. Yeah. You know, it's... It's been a long it's a time, George. Yeah, no, it's a long time. To wait. A lot of it's passion in the city. Lot, mm. yeah, yeah. All right, then. There you go. Midweek round of action coming up. As we mentioned, Napoli will be in Udine on Thursday. Before that, all sorts of other delights, including Monza against Roma, Sassuolo against Lazio. looks quite tasty. Should mention that behind uh, Napoli, it's so tight in the top four race. You've got Lazio in second place, a point behind them are Juventus. And then you've got Milan, Roma and Inter who are all level on points in 4th, 5th and 6th, with Atalanta only two points behind. It's four teams, two points between them, fighting essentially over one spot, although <laughs> a bit of an asterisk, uh, asterisk still over Juve's points total, I guess. Well, uh, we'll come back to all of that next week, mm -hmm. perhaps. Right now, uh, let's move on to more Cup news. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson, the Sports Podcast Awards Soccer Podcast of the Year. And as Fabio Silva scored, the PSV for the elfde keer de beker. Fabio Silva. PSV wins the beker. Walk up news in the Netherlands. PSV won the Dutch Cup with a penalty shootout victory over Ajax. Jules, did you watch this? I did. It You're was great. Where this you, season, time to watch for this? when everybody's asleep in right. the house. Okay. But it's been an amazing season, to be fair, uh -huh. in every division. Mm. I mean, in the Netherlands overall, we, we Feyeno doing great, Alkmaar doing great in Europe as well. Ajax not so good, obviously changing managers. And now Ruud van Nistelrooy winning the, uh, his second title already mm. for his first season. That one on penalties. Um, three three takers hit the hit the woodwork which I don't remember seeing a penalty shootout where so many people I mean there was five misses to start a with crossbar challenge a crossbar challenge <laughs> but not really the there was not really the, the goal uh, for, for the boys but yeah and Fabio Silva yes remember him from, from Vavarante very much I so. think a lot of people would have not noticed that he was on loan at PSV no scoring the, the winning penalty so yeah. he started the season in Belgium right and he wasn't too good there no yeah yeah, yeah. Excellent. Really good final. <laughs> All right. Uh, George, you probably also saw the cup final in France. I did. Ring. Indeed, yes. Toulouse um, winning their second uh, French cup. 
the first one after okay, now 1957. Because it's officially listed as their first major honor, but the, the, the Toulouse that won that previous one aren't there anymore? It's, it's kind of same, but not really, yeah. Because they merged with Red Star Paris? Not with Red Star Paris. Oh, another Red Star. Not really. It oh. was, but I think that the <laughs> keep going, James. Toulouse and Paris. Paris. How would they merge with the team in Paris? No, and they, they, the club considered that as their first trophy. Okay. So yeah. they merged they, with Red Bird. Yeah, oh. Red yeah. Bird. Okay. Yeah. I, Which, okay. By the Producer way, Charlie said to me, "Here we go." They disappeared 10 years later. They won the 1957 French Cup, but they disappeared 10 years later in a merger with Paris side Red Star and considered a different club. Charlie, what do you say? <laughs> Yeah, okay. Just Jules, I have to tell you, I'm looking at Wikipedia. throwing the producer under the bus here. <laughs> Jules, it says on Wikipedia. On Wikipedia. Yeah, it says yeah. on Wikipedia that they won the 1957 French Cup, disappeared 10 years later in a merger with Paris side Red Star and are considered a different club. Yeah, and I think the club, I, I mean, was the word, uh, consider that yeah. the, that French Cup is their is cup. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, all right then. Well, tell us about this one anyway. No, this one was great because... The atmosphere was toxic. Uh, president Macron, as all the presidents do, was in attendance. And uh -huh. usually he says hello to all the players on the pitch before the game with the anthem. Did he say you're going to have to work another two years? <laughs> he didn't, but because he didn't turn up on the pitch. Okay. He oh, said hello okay. to the players in the, in the tunnel, near oh. the dressing room, because Why? they were scared he... of the chaos and the booze. Oh. And all the whistling outside, there, was a lot of, there were a lot of protests. People were given red cards to show during the game against the uh, the uh, pension reform uh, with whistles as well. But then sec the security inside the stadium took all the whistles and all the red cards away. It was a big bit of a mess, to be fair. But then we had a great final because Toulouse and their young team. I mean, it was it was the first ever team in a cup final to play with 11 foreign players. Although Logan Costa, the centre back, who's Paris born and bred, now plays for Cap Verde, but has the two nationalities, French and Cap Verdean, but everybody else was Dutch or Belgium or Moroccan. Or... So it was the first time ever. Uh, and Logan Costa is an interesting story because he's only played in the Cup this season. He's a young centre-back, really talented, but the, a bit like a goalkeeper. He's only been rotating uh, in, the, in the Cup and he scored two goals in the stadium almost like two minutes away from where he grew up in Saint-Denis. Wow. So great story for him. Uh, and there was just no match because they were 4-0 up at halftime to lose. They were great. Nantes have now lost the 1973 final, 1983 final, 1993 final, and 2023 final. So finals in threes is not good for them uh, in the French Cup. And in the end, Toulouse won 5-1 and will be in the Europa League next season. Will they really or not? It yeah, depends what AC, AC Milan, Milan do are owned by the same ah, group. Redbird, right. So, but we have seen that uh, Seferin in his recent yeah, overlap, he's like, he doesn't really care, does he? But right man. now, the, law, the, the rule is that even if Milan qualify for the Champions League or the Europa League, you uh -huh. can't have the two clubs in European competitions next season. So, right. And it's yeah. a very different structure to what RB Leipzig and RB Salzburg had at the time, which they, I think they could modify quickly. And I'm not sure Redbird Capital right now can modify any of their structure for either club quickly enough to register for... European I think they can. FC Paris can buy them. Uh, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, they could merge with. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, well, well, well done to Deleuze and to yeah, former yeah. Spurs and Liverpool director of football, Damien Comoli, who's put yeah, that, Comoli. People will put that him. Uh, project together. Yeah, a lot of database recruitment, of course. I mean, Red Bird are uh, big on that anyway for mm. their clubs. So yeah, no, well done to them. And Philippe Montagnier doing a really, really, really good job Remember, he did Real really well with Real Sociedad, yeah. exactly, um, in Spain before. And, and yeah, they, they've, they've been great this season to watch as well. Mm. And, and it's a great trophy. And the whole, like half of their stadium was all purple for their colours, of course. And then it was a big party in Toulouse. Oh, We're going to see another purple team in a cup final. Uh, yeah. Which is La Fiorentina. Yeah. Jules, anything else to mention from uh, French football in Paris no, this weekend? No, I think that we're okay. We're okay. Yeah. We mentioned Kylian Mbappe's amazing goal. And I think All right, then, yeah. <coughs> that happened in a, uh, oh dear, 3-1 home defeat to Lorient. That's, is this right, Jules? That's the third defeat at home in four matches That's right. for PSG. Oh, my word, Lorient's opener. 25 okay. passes. Yeah. The PSG just passed around, yeah. And at the time, PSG was still with 11 men. Right. Hakimi got sent off uh, five minutes later to make things worse. 
Uh, but Enzo Lefe, who we mentioned on the show, one of the um, the best players in the league this season. He's going to move to a much bigger club. He's a wonderful player with an incredible personal story. That we is he Paris born and bred? He's not. He's not. It's really but he it's a to sad overcome story. That obstacle. <laughs> To make a career for himself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, he was born between Toulouse and Red Star Paris, so I'm like somewhere in, <laughs> in the middle. Um, but we will talk about his life another time. But yeah, great goal. Why? I want to talk about his life. I, I thought I'd mention it. Probably so, have, just in case anyone. Yeah, um, his his father was a, a local gangster. Oh yeah. Spent a lot of time in jail while Enzo was growing up in in Brittany in Lorient, uh, and I think there was a. There was a sense for Enzo Lefe to make it as a pro. He didn't know what, his, what would happen with his dad, just to look after the rest of the family. The dad came out of prison when I think Enzo was 18 or 19, maybe, uh, and stayed out for two years and then committed suicide. Jeepers. Clearly, Yeah, so Enzo Lefe is an incredible talent, comes with a lot of baggage. And to be fair, he's done really well with all the drama in his life, even, even before turning pro. And I really wish him the best. He's, he's a really, really good kid and he's an amazing talent to to, to start with anywhere football and that goal I think which showed the Lorient way of playing which they've been great for most of the season um, was well deserved for him for the season that he's been having and after all those those issues too. Mm, Do they have any fish collaborations as their sponsors Jules? They are the Merlu no? The Merlu yeah. yeah. Any play on word like tuna? No, no with Merlu. Not tricky. <laughs> it's tricky. Cod, cod. What's cod, Merlu? No. Yeah cod is cod. cod. Yeah, Melo. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, the Godfather. Godfather. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. Oh my God. Is that not his nickname? <laughs> <laughs> that his nickname? Right. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> um, but he did manage to end up in the net or something. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's nice. talk about. Um, let's talk about the title race, Jules. Yeah. Because Marseille beat Auxerre two-one. They're now five points behind again with mm. five games to play. Hmm. It's a bit nervous in Paris right is now. Is it? Yeah. Is that because Conte's on holiday there? Oh, yeah, so. So, I don't know. Cause it's a Messi, strange place to have holiday. Messi's yeah. in Arabia. Yeah, okay. Messi's in Arabia, that's for sure. Because he's in Saudi Arabia and he was not allowed. Messi's in Saudi Arabia? Yeah. yeah. Oh. And that's the big controversy, controversy at the moment. In the, so, let's just finish with the title race. I mean, the Marseille guy... Is in free fall completely. Uh-huh. Uh, he's going to get. Good he's going to get sacked. Yeah. He can't be there next season. I even wish he was not there no. until the end of the season right. now, because <laughs> it's just chaos and right. there's just nothing in the game. It's an embarrassment, to be fair. Uh-huh. The game was embarrassing. <laughs> it was the whole thing was an embarrassment. He's an embarrass. He's, he's embarrassing me, the right. master guy. <laughs> and it's true. You're laughing, but it's not nice. I mean, we were watching. Even my little girl, she was watching. She was like. Are we really losing this game? And I was right. like, yeah, we are. Well, she wasn't eating a handkerchief, she goes. No, she wasn't. But uh, she wasn't crying because I said to her, listen, we, hopefully five points. Yeah. It should be enough. Five mm-hmm. games to go. Uh, but I'm not so sure with that team anymore because really? they just don't play as a football team. This is not a football team. This is just like uh, 11 guys who are there on the pitch, not knowing what to do on Sunday afternoon, say, hey, why don't we turn up to the game? So, you know, it's, it was really pathetic on Sunday. The ultras were not there because the, the stand was closed as a sanction, so they turned up at the training ground on Monday, had all those banners who you can just imagine putting pressure on the players, and Messi wasn't there because Messi should have been there. He was training, but he was in Saudi Arabia. As we know, he's an ambassador for the country, and he said that he asked for permission. Uh, the club said that he was not given permission to not be at training on Monday. Well, no, that's the thing, because some of the players were not happy that he right. obviously didn't turn up for training. Uh-huh. So Tuesday, today was always a day off. Uh-huh. But Monday was going to be a day off in case there was a win against Lorient, right. which obviously didn't happen. Uh-huh. So there was a warm down training session. And Messi didn't turn up. He said he could not postpone again the trip that he's already postponed twice. Mm. So that's understandable. Yeah. <laughs> but did you know Saudi Arabia is this green? That was his uh, tweet, like uh, was... talking about, I think, some of the... The, the forest, oh, yeah. which you, know, you wouldn't expect. I mean, you would associate yeah. Saudi Arabia and forest. You would. Yeah. You would, yeah. really. The wood, the, well, I do the now. Glade, yeah, you do now. And right. I guess he had to go there on Monday when yeah. he was supposed to be at work. Right. He had to go to see by himself the forest. Right. You know, but maybe. The amount of things that he got away with in Barcelona that he doesn't get away with in PSG because the players are not happy with yeah, Messi so not turning no. up. Yeah, in Barcelona, there. no player uh, was saying anything about Messi missing trainings after training sessions. Mm. I just think Where's he going to be missing training next season, Jules? 
I don't know. I, I mean, I tell you the great idea that the Marseille guy had last week. I mean, considering this is still a title race, I know they were eight points clear before the weekend and I jumped to five, but he gave them four days off. Well, I mean, who gives four days off to his team at this stage of the season? No, they're the only club in the world. He's the only manager in the world to do right. that. So in a way, you, you turn up after <laughs> a game on Sunday and there's no intensity. I mean, not that there's been much intensity before in the season anyway, but there's nothing happening. But you've just given them four days off. They all went to different parts of the world on holidays, basically. Yeah. The other thing, like in terms of PSG state of mind, I like look at Juventus. Over the last few weeks, you've had like Paredes have a massive yeah. kind of bust up with Allegri in the training ground. He's on loan from PSG. He's going to come back, yeah. You've got Thank Di Maria, who, who's joined. He's sort of, ah, oh, I've hurt my ankle. Oh, I'm not in the starting eleven. Okay, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to play then. I'm not going to, you know, just leave me out of the sure. squad. But at least he's not coming back, this one. He's not coming back, so, but it's so. just like, yeah, these players, I I, they, they act like they can just sort of do whatever they want, which seems to me, it's like, well, if you've been enabled in the way that you, exactly. these players That's have with PSG. Said, yeah, but you, right. you get the feeling as well that they hit a target in December, some of these players too. Di Maria, for example, or Messi. Oh. I mean, winning the World Cup for them was oh, everything. Yeah. And after that, they, some of them, they, they have a, a slack off a little bit. I mean, we can say it like this. Yeah. But mm. yeah, but it should not, should not be happening. No, of course. Like the, I mean, I guess the only, only silver lining just to finish is that Marseille and Lens play each other mm. on Saturday in the big game. So they will take points Second off each v other. Second third. So hopefully PSG will be trois. I mean, come on, if uh, on Sunday nights. And then that, that gap between them and Marseille or Lawrence could be a bit bigger but I don't even know anymore like this right. is I'm tense you, maybe you don't, don't see it but I'm tense right. who's, uh, who's next for PSG after Galtier it's a good question Zidane is still the dream of course especially if Juve don't change managers because I think Zinedine was kind of hoping at some point that maybe Allegri would get the sack and mm. then he would be on a shortlist with maybe Igor Tudor and maybe a couple others but that he might be his chance so Zidane is still the one I think they, they dream of but it's not going to be easy to convince him. I mean, he was not convinced before. What would he be convinced now? Mm. Um, Jose? Conte? I think Luis Enrique has a, has Conte a few Conte PSG, I would love to see that. I mean, that yeah. would be popcorn. All that right. would be absolutely box office. Well, stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. Uh, next up on this show, let's catch up with events in La Liga. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to The Totally Football Show with James Richardson, sponsored by LifeScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LifeScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Alvaro, in La Liga, drama at both ends of the table. Drama at the top end, mainly because Barcelona, will they ever concede again? It's a very good question. If they play outside, outside of Spain, uh, they will concede right, many, okay. I think, because mm. this has been the pattern. 
but now in Spain, the truth is that especially at Camp Nou, uh, they have been phenomenal uh, defensively. I think that uh, we have explained the reasons why, Ter Stegen, the defense, Araujo, the misses uh, of some opponents as well. But in this game against Betis, I think that this can be explained differently. I mean, Betis uh, got the players sent off in the first half, uh, Edgar, and after that, Barcelona played very easily. Mm, they won 4-0. They only need eight points out of 18 to win La Liga title. And if Real Madrid happens to lose or drop points at Anoeta against Real Sociedad on Wednesday evening, Barcelona can be La Liga champion against Espanyol at Cornellà, which would be like a very satisfying for many Barcelona fans, just uh, winning the league there. But against uh, Osasuna, uh, the, the, against Betis, sorry, the big news is that uh, Yamin Lamal uh, mm. played his first game uh, for Barcelona. He? He's 15 years old. He was born on the 13th of June, 2007. Wow. And uh, he's, just to put some perspective, five years younger than Ansu Fati, five years younger than Pedri. And we're talking about these guys as uh, guys who were about or capable of winning the Golden Boy just a year ago. Right. So yeah, he's very young. He's been playing for uh, um, Barcelona youth ranks for a few years now. And uh, he's been always playing with uh, guys who were a year or two years older than him because his talent is so big that... Uh, he was too good for his own category. Right. We, uh, over the years, we've had a lot, especially since Messi, of course, we've had a lot of these young phenomenons coming Plenty. through. Plenty. Uh, Bojan Kirkic and then... Uh, Giovanni Dos Santos. It, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. It, do you have the feeling at all that there's, there's anything more kind of generational about Lamine Yamal? It's too early to say, sorry. I, I'm going to give you the textbook answer here. Right. Because, for example, today we're reading The Athletic and there was a story about Charlie Patino, for example, who is uh, maybe living in Arsenal uh, because uh, you see so many youngsters like Ansu Fati the other day, for example, not uh, being able to play good against Betis, but mm. uh, he had had a, a very bad season, Jesse, another example that comes to my mind, and so many Barcelona youngsters that didn't actually make it to the first team squad, like mm. Gaia Sulim, for example, the guy from Israel, Giovanni Dos Santos, Jonathan Dos Santos, so many, so many. Uh, different, de Feo, another legend. one. But, uh, Best player outside the top six in Serie A when he's fit. He's fantastic. He's amazing. He's really good. And he Love was very Jerry. good for Watford when he played there. But I was going to talk about the Ulofeo, actually, uh, and some others, uh, because the difference between the Ulofeo, maybe Boyan, definitely Ricky, who is in America already, is that... Ricky Puch. That man. Uh, the difference with Lamal, Fati, Gavi, and all these guys is that now they are in a Barcelona which is pretty much bankrupt. Right. So from 2011 until 2019, no player from the academy established himself in the first team squad, apart from Sergi Roberto. From 2019 onwards, like three or four have settled, Alejandro Valde as well. Um, and the reason why is because Barcelona doesn't sign anymore. In the past, mm -hmm. they used the likes of Thiago Alcantara, De Ulofeu, and many others just to transfer them and to make some money to pay the big salaries to the other guys. Mm -hmm. Now they really need the academy. And that's the reason why uh, Yamin Lamal played the other day. Okay. I'm, I'm sure that he's very good. Well. Hmm? He almost scored as well. He almost scored. Should have scored. Yeah, he should. And he gave a lovely pass as well um, in an attacking action. The ball went to Dembélé and Dembélé couldn't pass it back to another player, but he was about to give a pre-assist. So he was good, but let's wait a little bit. Let's wait a little bit. Uh, a lot of excitement because he was on the field at the same time as Betis' uh, Joaquin, who's 41 years of age. Yeah, he picked an injury, unfortunately. Oh. So let's see. Got a, it, got a big round of applause, though, from the, uh, yeah. the Barcelona fans. And, and many fans uh, were there uh, at the ground just... Uh, with messages for Joaquin, some, uh -huh. of, uh, some of them asking for the dessert to Joaquin, because in Barcelona Should there are many... Socials.com. <laughs> to sell it afterwards. Absolutely. Because in Barcelona there are many people it. who... <laughs> uh, in Catalonia there are many people who come originally from Andalucía as well. So right. there is a, a, a big, I would say, Betis fan base uh, in Barcelona too. Okay. Uh, but let's see if Joaquin plays one more game in La Liga. This mm -hmm. is my big question right now because he picked a knee injury. He got like a, he torn it a little bit. And I think it's just a minor injury. But you, when you are 41, 42, you know, the recovery times are way, way Tell longer. Me about him. <laughs> uh, so uh, on that Barcelona clean sheet business, meanwhile... Uh, they, the record for the fewest goals conceded in a La Liga 20-team season is 18. Atletico. They're going to beat that. Barcelona have only conceded 11 goals so far, six games to go. <laughs> well, they ship seven. We shall see. Now, meantime, loads of goals elsewhere. We've been talking recently about the lack of goals in La Liga, but yeah. uh, big 
Big scores. Atletico Madrid beating Valladolid 5-2. Real Madrid beating Almeria 4-2. Karim the dream! Karim the dream and Rodrigo. Oh, I yeah. mean, Karim scored the, uh, three goals and, uh, you know, he is going to fight uh, for the Pichichi with Lewandowski. Mm. It looked impossible. I mean, it looked like it was not going to happen. Uh, but they are up there, both of them. Uh, but Rodrigo, what he did in one of Benzema's goals was beautiful because uh, the ball was just pretty much going out. It looked like it was going to be a goal kick and uh, the defender from uh, Almeria decided to chase Rodrigo. Rodrigo stepped on the ball, he hit it a little bit with the back heel, enough uh, to leave the defender behind with a lovely trick and then he passed the ball to Benzema. I mean, this guy is a magician as well and his numbers are improving. I mean, his uh, development has been slower than Vinicius because Vinicius is more explosive, mm -hmm. but uh, Rodrigo's, you know, technique, delicate football as well, little by little, is uh, getting there. Magnificent. Down at the other end, Abro, uh, the relegation battle being billed as La Liga's best ever or tensest relegation battle ever. Would you say? You've got, what, six teams in four yeah. points battling to avoid two spots. Elche gone. Next in line in 19th place at Getafe, who've made a decisive move to try and beat the drop. Well, Getafe did it because they sacked the, the manager, Kike Sanchez Flores, Kike Sánchez Flores wasn't happy with the sporting direction and Ramón Planes and uh, apparently there was no communication, no, not, not apparently, there was no communication between Kike and the, and the sporting direction. He left, uh, some players were unhappy about it, mm. uh, but some players were also unhappy that Bordalás came back again. Sure. Bordalás was the manager of uh, Getafe a couple of years ago. He took Getafe to some heights that we haven't seen since... Bern Schuster was the manager of Getafe mm. back in 2008. But of course, uh, Bordalas football comes at the expense of something, at the expense of your creativity, if you're a creative player, at the expense of uh, um, even your reputation, because uh, normally Getafe players, they have to play cynically when they play for Bordalas. This week already, uh, Getafe did over 20 faults in the game. This is textbook uh, Bordalas style. And, uh, you know, even Bordalas was reluctant to go to Getafe. He waited, waited and waited, and on Friday he wasn't too sure about signing or not because he knew that uh, after closing the first stage uh, with Getafe, uh, he was set for higher, um, higher things, you know, better things. And he went to Valencia. He went well there. He took them Valencia to the cup final, but he hasn't had a club ever since. And then Ángel Torres, the president of Getafe, who is a personal friend of his, called him, and I think that Bordalas did also this as a nice gesture to Getafe, but maybe in his mind, a couple of years ago, he thought he would be, you know, coaching a better side at this stage of his career. All right, they are in penultimate spot. They are level with Espanyol, one of the big clubs down there, on 31 points and two points ahead of them, just outside the relegation zone at the moment, are Valencia, who continue to look at, uh, well... They lost to Cadiz, mm. and that... <laughs> That was a very poor thing, because that was one of the games in which they should have collected points. Right. Not uh, long to wait to see what happens next, because we've got midweek action in La Liga 2. Absolutely. Alvaro. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, Valencia-Villarreal is one of the Ooh. cool games in there, a regional mm. derby. Valencia yeah. playing for their lives. Villarreal is still setting their eyes in the Champions League fourth spot. So I'm really looking forward to watching that game, really. And, of okay. course, Real Sociedad, Real Madrid. Ooh. If Real Madrid drops points, then Barcelona can be the champion on the 14th of May in Crikey. two games' time. All right, that's coming up midweek. Jules, what should we look out for in France? Lost against Marseille, really, Saturday. on Saturday night. Mm, yeah. It's box office. The stadium is going to be amazing. The, the atmosphere, and they're the two best teams in Ligue 1, so it should be very, very fun to watch. Very generous of you. Rafa, yeah. what's coming up in the Bundesliga? So we got that uh, Freiburg Leipzig game that we mm -hmm. talked about. Tuesday night. Uh, Dortmund have Wolfsburg. Trip to Ooh. Wolfsburg. That's going to be pretty tough. And Bayern go to Bremen Ooh. on Saturday night. That's going to be pretty interesting. Very nice. So this week, uh, switches again. Yes. Bayern playing first, Dortmund second. So Ooh. let's see. Wow. We'll see next Tuesday what's happened there. Uh, and James? Well, there's not a standout fixture in Serie A, but... There's a few with a lot riding on. I mean, Atalanta Spezia, for example. Atalanta now just two points from the Champions League places. Spezia have been sucked into the relegation battle. Uh, Verona are very much in form mm. uh, in the bottom three, and they play. This is midweek. This is midweek. Right. There's also Monza Roma. Yeah. There's Monza next Roma. Next weekend is sexy, though, no? Next weekend is sexy, but we'll get to that next week. Especially if you're a Monza player.
<laughs> well, Monza, um, in their first ever season in Serie A, uh, wrapped up survival with six games to spare right. at the weekend. So while Spezia are getting sucked in, Monza are getting... <laughs> <laughs> That's one way of looking at it. And Galliani, <laughs> the chief executive, <laughs> he, he dedicated um, survival to Silvio Berlusconi. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, well, uh, it's getting to, yeah, the real drama, you know. <laughs> Real drama at the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, fabulous stuff. Thank you so much for today, everybody. Look forward to getting together next Tuesday when, of course, we'll also have Champions the League. semi-finals in mm. Champions League, Europa League, and, and, and Conference wow. League. So, wow, that's going to be a busy Ooh. show. Make sure you join us for that. Listen, have yourself a great week in the meanwhile, and we'll, we'll be speaking to you then. For now, cheerio. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by LiveScoreBet. Get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. The Athletic.